Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ask Dr. Drew. We appreciate you all being here. We are out on Clubhouse as well right now, but I'm not sure that we're going to be doing a lot of questions from there, but we will see how this goes. Um, I, uh, you know, we've all been shocked by Bob Saget's passing, and uh, Susan and I were particularly affected by this. He is somebody that, it's, it's, it's so um, almost uncanny that uh, what you'll notice in everybody that knew Bob, we're all saying the same thing, and it's not because of hyperbole or that he's saccharine. He was just a great guy, and he was great to everybody, and he was humble and funny. And I mean, the, uh, Susan, I don't know if you want to make comment at all. You, I, I'm not sure if you knew him as well as Personable. I Personable. See, this particular picture was I ran into it in an airport uh, and he asked me to be in this movie he had, was producing at the time. But Susan and I got off a plane- In tears. Yesterday? Was it yes, yesterday? last night. Yesterday. And I said, that's the spot where I met Bob. It was where it gave me the we, chills. We, we heard about his passing like an hour before we were on the plane. And this is, the, this is us on the jetway. But before we started taking pictures on the jetway, we met- right outside on this post and i said this is the post like li we, we literally standing. got off the plane where you met him yes i know that was insane i yes. call that uh serendipity it was weird uh and so that that and i bob is somebody that we also if you look at we have pictures i guess from my 60th birthday party um if you got that up there Caleb. I know he came to your 60th birthday he party. Did. Like we only know him, him for a few months before. Is this or, that? It might have been something else. It's that one. Uh, that was yeah, the that other, was the, the um, that red was carpet. At, but there are that's pictures him of, with his fiance. Right. The time. They're now wife. And they he came up. Could you have pictures of him at the podium with us? Yeah. And when he was at He's the, getting there. All right. I'm seeing. There they are. The, me and Adam and Bob. And it, Bob could not have been more gracious and lovely. And I, I know. I was excited he showed up. I'm anxious to hear what. But he really liked you. I and you also Bob. were on Mary. You, he was the original Osen twins' father, and then he was on the red carpet with you when you were on the movie with the Olsen twins. Yes, and do you and, remember that? Yeah, oh yeah, I looked that up, and those are actually you have to have a subscription. So to you've known him a long time. Those pictures, but yeah, I always felt guilty that I played the dad in their movie, they, <laughs> and he didn't. But he was there at the premiere of the movie. He was. Um, that's so and, sweet. Uh, he was everywhere. Were, he knew everybody. It, and he, it, it, like, when I would text him, he would text me back. Like, that's, I didn't know him that well, but he came on our podcast. He came on my podcast. He talked to a couple of my psychics, and it was actually really funny. He's, I didn't he know was, that, but he's, he's a good guy. He'll be missed. And he was on I feel terrible for his, live. for his wife and his daughters. I, I'm angry. There was a few people that would expressed anger at this. I'm, I'm one of those people. I get, it's sort of where I go before had sadness. I get angry with this. Like this shouldn't have happened. I am uh, but I mean, anxious maybe he... to know what happened here because yeah. it, it is not a substance related death. I guarantee you that, yeah. but something is a, something is amiss. Something is not right in this whole story. And we're going to find out more as time goes along. So um, Bob, you'll be missed. And, and I'm not, I'm not alone. If you look at Twitter, a hundred percent of people and he knew everybody he knew everybody i know and uh and he, he was didn't, friendly to everyone exactly too. he didn't just know them he was like even friends me with them. like who yeah. am i everybody felt like he was their friend and that's the way he made you feel so and he was funny as shit that's the other good he did he did his job and uh 
You good. might you might look at the uh, movie The Aristocrats uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see Bob at his most dynamic. Uh, yeah, he was really good. He could that. be pretty fel filthy when he wanted to be. You should watch him on my show. He was funny on my show, too. Okay. Was that up somewhere? Yeah, Calling Out with Susan Pinsky. All right. Uh, you can just get that on... On uh, Libsyn or YouTube or iTunes or whatever. He's at the he's in the last 20 minutes of the show. The first, okay. you know, he's a, he he was... He was nice enough to come on. Let's just put it that way. Because he was on your show and I said, well, do you want to have a psychic greeting? And he said, yes. But he was very open to it too. Yes. Yeah, he, just, he played along with all stuff. Well, no, he said he he had a lot of friends that were like that. and yeah, he, A lot of people miss him also because of uh, Full House. That was called Full House? Yes, yeah. Full House. And, uh, and I get that. I get that. But he was so much more than that. So he was on You Live 130 and then he was on... Um, Calling out number one. Tom Cigar says, "Oh boy, aristocrats." Yeah, I know, but it was funny. It was very funny. If you want to see uh, Bob doing his thing, all right. So yeah, well, he did a lot in his life. He yes. had an amazing life. Yes, yes, he did. And he loved what he was doing. That's one of these sad things about his last tweets is that he was expressing. Um, he was down in Florida and how much he enjoyed. He said his last tweet was essentially, a, "I can't believe I just did two hours or something. I'm just so addicted to this. This is great." Yeah, it's all nice right. To get back to work and. I don't, I don't know who yeah, knows what so. happened nobody deserves to die alone in a hotel though that's all i yeah, know. I know what did you announce to me as i'm gonna as go I... everywhere with you so that one she's gonna she is going to come with a somebody has to watch you take your last breath so susan's gonna be she's gonna have a paddles with her wherever she goes from now on and so we'll have one of those little defibrillators that you can get in a plane or wherever you know those little portable units so she's gonna well even so now. if it's your time i don't want you to be alone that would be terrible i it's sad for the people but who you know, yeah. you leave behind. It's it's so sad because you just think, oh no, what happened? You know. Yeah, yeah. And it also just if you're a great person, it just sounds so lonely. You know, you should be surrounded by the ones that love you. And yeah, and let me just to give you my thinking. So obviously, everyone thinks substance at first, and it's like, no, I checked far and wide. That is not the case. Second, you think, well, a cardiac event. Well, did he have a heart attack? That's possible. But, uh, and his, he had, you know, uh, intracranial bleed is the other thing, either hypertensive or uh, aneurysmal. He had a sister with an aneurysmal bleed and it does tend to go in families. Stroke, mm, not in his age group, not like that, not so massively. Um, and yet he, there was an autopsy apparently and no report yet. So I'm, I'm very suspicious. Something, yeah. Something's not right here. So we'll find out. We'll find out. Doesn't it take a couple of weeks to find out? If you see an intracranial bleed, they usually report that. Right. If they see a myocardial event, the dead dead myocardial tissue from a heart attack. But then he's a celebrity. They don't always say everything. They will usually report that. But but if it's something that they need to go repair the tissue and look under the microscope, that's what takes a few weeks. The toxicology takes a few weeks too, but that I promise you is going to be negative. So, all right, let's bring my guest in here. Let's get Let's cleanse the palate with my buddy Tyrus. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin. Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say.
Since the beginning of the pandemic, nearly one in five Americans has reported consuming an unhealthy amount of alcohol. Could be you. But only 10% of them are actually getting the help they need. Reframe is a neuroscience-based smartphone app that helps users cut back or quit drinking alcohol altogether. Using evidence-based tools, techniques, and content, Reframe guides users through a personalized program to help them reach their goals. Comprised of daily tasks, a comprehensive toolkit, a community forum, and accountability guides, Reframe is a modern, accessible, and affordable resource that can help anyone looking to reevaluate their relationship with alcohol. Reframe is backed by Harvard University and Emory University Schools of Medicine, and it is ranked the number one alcohol reduction smartphone app worldwide with over 350,000 downloads. With Reframe, there's no stigma, just science, no labels, just support. To learn more, go to joinreframeapp.com slash Dr. Drew. Use the code Dr. Drew for 25% off your first month or your annual subscription. That's at joinreframeapp.com slash Dr. Drew. Tyrus, you all know, of course, from this show and from, uh, well, the Greg Gutfeld show. Uh, most nights, what night are you in there? Uh, usually Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, but uh, with Mondays the, and Tuesdays now. The birth of the pandemic, uh, it's I'm all remote now, so most of my Fox stuff is, uh, you know, if I'm doing uh, Judge Janine or the big Saturday and Sunday show or uh, any of the other ones, uh, America's Newsroom, podcasts, etc., it'll all be from beautiful uh studios in new orleans louisiana so well everybody yeah. got COVID at fox and of course like Ty- everybody tyrus is the current nwa world television wrestling champion yeah uh, you can have witness t- his belt of february 12th uh, so it's coming up soon but um Ooh. wow you know just where this i don't you know i he doesn't get enough credit for being a brilliant stand-up comedian I mean, everyone always sees the uh, Saget. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't realize, like, when you saw him in the the sitcom, that was established and that was parameters on it. And, you know, there's rules, you know, with the family comedy. And he was phenomenal at that. But uh, his stand-up was unreal. Yeah. and um, I, I agree. I think. And one of and it's a small role, but it is the most iconic role of a what would there's no other way to uh, half baked. When he gave his speech, it was the most hilarious thing uh, you you could imagine, and it was just he was just in the room, and uh, he they were uh, Chappelle went and said he had an addiction to weed, and Saget stands up and basically rips him apart, and I won't get into what he said, <laughs> but those of us who remember that movie. It was phenomenal. He asked him, "Have you ever done a certain act for weed?" And Chappelle said, "No." He told everyone, "Well, you can boo this man," and then everybody booed him. So, but uh, he had that shock value about him because he he looks the part. He looks like the host of America's Funniest Home Videos, and and you know he looks yeah. like the dad. But if you get him in a nightclub and a microphone and let there be a heckler. He his his level of just brashness and quick wit. He just not enough. Everyone saw it, but it never got to the same level because he was already America's dad for a long time running. And um, you know, and one of the things that I think we need to point out 
he stayed America's dad. He didn't have the fall from grace. You know, we, he didn't right. have the Bill Cosby situation. Uh, he didn't have some of the other the dads we had. They had hidden lives and they were miserable people and all this kind of stuff. So he, I think as a comedian, he's one of the ones I look at for just being able to go out there without a plan and just make magic. So I don't think enough people know about that. So uh, I met him one time briefly. He asked me not to kill him. Um, and it just, yeah, I was, uh, I was with Snoop and he just said, Oh God, don't kill me. Hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, but you, you understand uh, you're a presence. You, you, you understand what would prompt somebody to say that. Yes. Yeah? Forget, you know, I forget. And every once in a while, like when I'm out and I'll be at the stopping center and someone cuts in front of me in the line, I'll be like, Hey, and I'm like, Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry. I am so, oh, I'd be like, I just, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, I forget sometimes when you, when you get, you get used to it, you know, like, you know, you're used to being doctor, you know, and being smart. So people just kind of, you forget. No, it's just, this is you, you're just, you're just you, you're Tyrus and, uh, you don't, you're just yourself. And sometimes, sometimes that's scary to people. (laughs) You just forget about that. Oh my God. It's so funny. Uh, Yes, uh, apologies to the uh, to the clubhouse. I I forgot to hook it up, and uh, so you guys didn't hear again. Tyrus. Again, it seems to be it's my uh, my it's my it's clearly will happen again y- yet again because it seems to be my go to move is to forget to hook up clubhouse. So I apologize to you. All. Okay, the, there's the pictures of of the birthday party. Yes, that he so graciously showed up at. Yeah, I was excited. Yeah, it was uh, phenomenal. I mean, I did not expect him to do that. So Tyrus, let's um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, Susan wanted to hear your thoughts. And by the way, I have missed you. I've been to Gutfeld a few times, and I miss you every damn time. And it pisses me off because uh, I always kind of look forward to seeing you, and I get to see your buddy Cap, but I never get to see you. So I'm going to try well, to time that better in the future. Word is on the street. Uh, you'll probably see me there a few, a, a couple extra nights a week uh, once we get this. Whatever this is, uh, situated uh, with uh, with the Omicron variant, you know, uh, with everyone basically catching it, which I think yeah. uh, Doc is a good thing at this point. Um, you know, we're yeah. we're kind of seeing filter through it, so uh, I'm hoping that's a positive yeah. sign of the vaccination. You know, oh yeah, my, yeah, my I, our whole it. yeah, our whole family had it here, and it's interesting. I mean, it's more prevalent than people realize. I mean, our household only one person got detected by the public health department the rest of us tested at home and stayed home and that was that and so yeah we, you know, you, it's so hard to get the testing yeah you know our our, yeah. our doctor basically had to treat as symptoms arise there was no uh thing like you couldn't go to cvs or you know buy a, a kit or whatever you could order them online but they were back ordered and good luck getting anything shipped on time mm-hmm. so um I just I'm, we're just following the guidelines that were put in front of us by a doctor in terms of um, just monitor and treat as needed, and you know, uh, so that's basically what we're doing. I literally was on the verge of getting the um, vaccine, the booster, but I was literally I was seeing a lot of adverse reactions to it, and I thought, gosh, the Omicron seems so much milder. I think I'd rather get Omicron than and get the vaccine, I think it's actually going to be more effective and safer. And boom, then I got it. And that was it for me. So now I'm, I'm double, I'm a, what, what would you call it when, when you're a, uh, 
been to something twice. I've had the Alpha and I've had the Omicron. To, to double time winner, they call it. <laughs> two oh, two time. Yeah. Well, no. no. Yeah. So I took this weird test, like, because I was able to get my hand on a hands on a COVID test before I left for New York because I caught it over the New Year's. And it's, they actually, um, I am reported, Drew. So two of us are reported because mm. you had to take the test and then you had to, you know. Oh, that one you sent in. Okay, yeah. Good. Well, All you right. have to do it. Yeah. You scan the test and it says you're positive. And mm -hmm. so I guess I have a result. So, so yours got sent in. Who else got sent in? Douglas. Did it? I don't know. You said one of our family I was members of you. was. I was thinking it was you. Oh, okay. Uh, but, I don't know if that Because everyone else, we all did home testing. Well, this was a home test. But no, they, but I mean the, the home test we had that, you know. I don't know if this will work. Like if I get on an airplane and say, oh, look, I had COVID on December 31st. Well, keep it. I, I mean. Well, good luck without your flight being. <laughs> right. There's a great, a really great conversation between Peter Atia and Z Dog. Uh, two physicians, Z-Dog's been on this show a number of times, uh, who dig into the whole issue of boostering and natural immunity and who should be boosted. They really get into the very specific clinical details. Very, very good conversation. Uh, I tweeted it and it's up on my, uh, let's see, it's up uh, at Locals also. You can find it there. Uh, I do recommend people listen to that. If you want to understand really good clinical thought, those those guys are they're bringing it. They really are. So, but it wasn't a big deal. Like it was just like a bad cold. It was like a I ate and drank thing. normally. I didn't. I didn't sleep. I mean, you, great. you were in bed a little more than you would have been. Well, because I, I couldn't but, leave the house. Right. That's right. I mean, I could have gone to the party that night. I felt fine. But you know, one of the that everybody already uh, had COVID at. One of the things that I observed, it seems like you have a a day where you have like a little bit of fever and a runny nose or a cough. Then mm -hmm. the next day you feel great. Mm -hmm. Two days will go by, and then all of a sudden the fever is back, and then it's gone. It seems like it's like a roller coaster. It's like a lot of up and down and up and right. down. Right. That that is the that is to me one of the key clinical characteristics of COVID generally is it sort of relentlessly hangs on. It's kind of a relentless virus, and I really have a feeling we're going to find one day that's how it does its cytokine activation problem. Did Rex ever come out of the the uh, cage? By the way. So, so our dogs are going nuts right now. Uh, but somebody is, uh, Jaron is tweeting here, or at least on the restream saying, uh, it's just the COVID fog ling lingers longer than the two days Omicron lot last. And Jaron, I totally agree with you for the most part, for some people, for me, not for Susan, for one of my sons. For me, I actually got characteristics, although I was barely sick. I didn't even think I had anything. That's why you gave it to all of us. I didn't think I was sick. But I did have what I was very familiar long hauler symptoms. The, the exact same symptoms I had with long haul, very much milder than when I had the real alpha. But I had this sort of weird, foggy fatigue thing that went on for a few days, and now it's gone. But, uh, and then I've had a lingering cough, but it is kind of a relentless thing. So the, the point is well taken. And our son who had not had the booster had a more difficult time of it. Everyone that had booster, like it was a nothing. It was a nothing. And you're still right. coughing too. And I'm still coughing. You'll hear it today. You guys did well with it? Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, Ingrid's too tough. Like, I mean, I think maybe if she ever did it. <laughs> you know, 10 minutes and it would say, I just can't live like this and would be out. 
Uh, she just doesn't have time. <laughs> I'm with uh, her. It was weird but, uh, laying around for five days waiting. We, we've kind of taken a proactive uh, measure. We've we've taken it to COVID in terms of we've changed our diet. Uh, we ex- we exercise more. We you know that was the biggest thing. We're getting make sure we're getting our eight hours in. So we looked at like in terms of what can we do to better ourselves. You know what I'm saying? We can't always worry about what the yeah. CDC is going to say. This thing mutates. It's going to keep mutating and, you know, this, that, whatever. So in the meantime, you know, uh, I started, I started dropping some weight, started training, uh, in weights differently, which has been a real shock for me because I've always been a power lifter, throwing up big numbers of weights and lifting little and working on high reps and, and feeling weird with small dumbbells in my hand. Um, but it's all for a better future. So, um, I don't have any medical advice from anyone, but as far as what I can tell, making sure you change your diet and working on things like obesity and, uh, you know, the stuff you, and being aware of what's going on with your body, know, know your blood type. Uh, if you don't have a doctor, then reach out to urgent care. Start uh, asking nurses and doctors for questions and information. Don't rely so much on the media and opinions. And uh, CDC, I hate to say it, is confusing because you have, you have basically, you have three top heads. You have President Biden, you have Fauci, and I always forget her name. You have the head of the CDC, and literally in one day, they Walensky. can all give three speeches. yes, I'm yeah. sorry. And you, they give three speeches in completely three different languages. It's very confusing yeah. uh, for the American people. So yeah. My whole new. Hey, my whole you, are, you are. You, you are singing my tune, man. I, I've been saying this from the beginning. This is a medical syndrome. Patient with doctor should be making their decisions on what to do, what Joe Rogan did with his doctor, what Aaron Rodgers did with his doctor should be none of your effing business. You may agree or disagree with it, has no relevance to anyone except the doctor and the patient. And you can listen. We should have been able to listen to Fauci and the CDC for guidance for my profession. It should have been as it has always been. They provide us guidance and we make the decisions for the patients. This got taken away from the practice of medicine. So I'm so delighted to hear you emphasizing, bringing it back to the patient and the doctor and the two of them make a decision. And that's that. You know, and, and if I could switch and ask you a question here, doc, because one of the yeah. things that I have always admired about you is that through all your fame and stardom, and, and it is that uh, you've never been anything but a doctor you didn't change who you were you didn't become whatever if if crest toothpaste wanted you to do a commercial for them but they changed all their ingredients to pure sugar but they gave you a check doc the good doctor is going right. to say no. no and i would not question do that yeah. doing that when you see uh, fauci i always think of here is a man who was the top of his field for decades and we never knew who he was. And there was no question that he was he was the one that everybody looked to. You yourself looked to him as a mentor. Yeah. Yep. Being on TV, I, I feel like he wasn't able to not become the, uh, I don't want to say a tool because it's rude, but not a tool in, a, in the terms like as a, who he is as a person. Because I don't know him and I'm not going to yeah. judge him that way. An but instrument. What I'm saying, an, an instrument. He, he became an instrument and he became caught up in his own <laughs> facade to where he's yes. now getting in arguments and fights with TV hosts and things like that. And 
And you just would not expect that from a man of his yes. intellect, a man of his prestige. Yes. And I just feel like if yes. you were able to give advice, if you were, and just in terms of how you separate staying a doctor with that ugly little camera that changes everybody. And it takes, you know, yeah. can he yeah. ever back being the good doctor? He, 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 I believe, I believe he can. I believe he can. I've been, he has been a, somebody I have followed and, and a source of inspiration since I was a resident, when I was working with AIDS patients, I relied on him heavily. He's, I got involved in radio. He was just all we got involved in. It had about HIV and AIDS. He was spot on all the way along until this one. And he got adulterated in some way. And, you know, him saying things like an attack on Dr. Fauci, attack on me is an attack on science. Who says stuff like that? That's the craziest thing. Please listen to the Peter Atia Z Dog conversation where they get into real detail about how crazy this all is and the difference between science and advocacy. He became an advocate rather than a scientist. When he was a scientist, he was advising clinicians what to do. When he became an advocate, he became a speaker for public health a dogma. And that was never his role. He should have never done it. And humbly, it feels like, I wish we had another name for this, but it, but it's sort of commonly called Trump derangement syndrome. Like people ran away into this other camp and they got messed up. <laughs> He's one of those people that got messed up by running to a camp rather than just staying the person he's always been. Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, I agree. I, like I said, I think, it, you know, the attacks on him, I don't always think are fair, but he doesn't help himself. Right. I guess you can put, you know. Well, he's back. So. I, I think he's back, Tyrus. I, th I, I noticed his, you'll see, he, he has changed, like about a week ago, he changed his tune, so to speak. He changed, he really started talking about the guy I've known forever. I, I, he li I literally, one day he was doing an interview, I went, oh, Oh, I recognize you now. There you are. Please just stay right, right there. And then I saw another interview. It was more him just, just, just staying with the facts, man, and just laying them out there, not taking the position you can't handle this. He just started just talking transparently the way he always has, and I was shocked. It was really a big change. And when you hear it, you'll see the difference. And uh, I was glad to see it. I, the the other time I saw a shift is when he was in front of Congress and said, yeah, maybe this thing did come from a Wuhan lab. I, I knew at that moment things were shifting. And uh, I think that shift is mostly complete. So I am hopeful he'll be back. That That's my bottom line. Okay, awesome. Well, that was my yeah. question. I feel yeah. better now. Thank you. Yeah, good. I mean, you should. He's an important person. And remember, he's 80, 81 years old now. He's actually 81. I mean, my God, if I'm functioning like that at 81, holy crap. I mean, can you imagine? That, right. uh, that hats yeah. off to him for that. Back to your um, your weight training. I am uh, man with you on the heavy weights. It's so gratifying, so satisfying to do that, particularly when you're a younger male. Uh, I, because of joint problems, have had to switch to uh, you know somewhat lighter weights, higher reps, and stuff. It's really it's, it's difficult. It's troubling. It's troubling. So I I get I get what you're doing. Especially when it again. there's like a, a guy who, especially when there's a guy who can maybe lift at half of what you have, but I can't on a non warm up day, and he'll have his little yeah. three fifteen on there for a rep of five, and he'll be screaming and yelling, and I'll just, uh, you know, the the old gorilla is just like, just go over there and just rep it out ten <laughs> times, and shut this. Dude up. That's not what we're here for. 
Put your I, put your 125 and your little bands on. Let's do your 30 reps. Stay focused. It's not about them. You're okay. It's like I have this little Jimmy Christmas. Like, don't worry about it. You know, it's like uh, Richard Pryor's crack pipe is like now my. Don't worry, well, folks. <laughs> stay focused. You know, let's work on stretching. Crack pipe. Pryor's crack pipe would talk to him. So, so, yes. so I still do think though you ought to go in there and just rep it out here and there to kind of satisfy that. You know what I mean? You got to do it once in a while. Just kind of get that. I still, out. when I deadlift, no? I'll still I'll throw. I'll throw some stuff. There on you there, go. But I'm like, there you go. There I'm you go. Kind of, I'm keeping my metabolism up, and uh, you know, and, yeah. uh, and cut out all gluten, starches, sugar. I'm fighting there on that one. I've not been a great patient on that one, but we're all figuring out. And, uh, you know, but she, you know, look at what she's done. I mean, not only she has transformed her body, she's jacked now. She's actually walking around the house with the guns showing all the time. And I'm like, yo, whoa, we have to cover those up. What's going on? So, uh, you know, because she's doing the rink routine and and it's just it's like just movements. And, that you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not ready to be on camera yet because I don't feel like falling on my face trying to keep up with what she makes look so easy. But um uh, it's it, but it has translated. And I, my advice is all Americans: you want to beat COVID, put down the the bowl of ice cream, get off the couch, and go for a walk. Like start, start hey, being a better you. I, I am uh, huge advocate for no starch, no grain, uh, uh, no sugar. <laughs> I'm a. It has transformed my. Yeah, but you got COVID twice. Yeah, but it's transformed my physiology and stuff. God, yeah. who knows what would have happened? Twice. Yeah. True that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm for some people that the the insulin is a major story. By the way, I was talking to Mike Catherwood, a guy I used to do the Swole Patrol podcast with, and he was telling me that a lot of these bodybuilders that are dropping dead all over the place, he thinks it's because they've been really taking lots of insulin, which I didn't know they were doing. That is very yeah. dangerous to take huh. insulin bulb above what your body needs. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. Yeah, I remember seeing one of the i'll leave him nameless one of the guys that i was uh wrestling with when he got released from the company um we were at a workout somewhere and i thought he was a type 1 diabetic or a type 2 diabetic and he said no i do this this is how i, I keep the body fat out this you want abs this is the way to do it and um jesus you know yeah. <sighs> so it's not it's not uncommon i mean a lot of people bodybuilders in itself it, the, the, the amount of stuff that they they go through there's just not big enough payday. And while the men, it's, it's bad for the women. It's even worse because they have bad trainers who don't always tell them the side effects of testosterone. They don't tell them your voice. Like they make mistakes to say, Oh, you'll get your voice back and you can have children when you're done doing this stuff. And they, they couldn't be wronger, you know, because it's basically the way our bodies work. You get an injection of testosterone as a woman that your body starts changing. You know, mother nature is, is very simple in its complexness. You know, we have a certain amount of testosterone and a certain amount of estrogen. And when you mess with that, your body's going to adapt to it, you know, and be like, oh, well, and then you'll start having male characteristics or vice versa or whatever, which for mental health reasons got to be even more troubling, um, you know, because I think the stuff they I don't think we realize necessarily all the chemicals and stuff that we put in our body trying to get a great physique. I don't always think about what it does to our mental strength and health. And I think yeah. sometimes it, it's true exacerbate are because for some guys no matter how in shape they get they always see something wrong in the mirror 
and that has nothing to do with their body. That's something with mental. They're never big enough. They're never, you know, they got to get bigger and bigger. And then it's to the point where like the average person sees them and they're like, dear God, why would you do that to yourself? But he'll be looking at himself going, man, I'm, I, if I could just get another inch on this bicep, you know, my whole life would turn around. And it's just, it's, it's psychological. I don't, we never see anyone doing psychological. Is, oh I'd yeah. Be interested to that see is that. body dysmorphia. It's body dysmorphia full on. Uh, and again, something Catherine would have talked about, but, but also, again, we're talking about extra physiological doses of testosterone, non-physiological things that people shouldn't be exposed to or would never be exposed to in nature, different than testosterone replacement therapy, which I'm a fan of. Right. Yeah. This is extra physiologic testosterone. And, and to your point about that for the men, for the women, yes, they can have hair growth and voice changes and things that never, never come back and fertility issues for the men. I've seen all kinds of erectile dysfunction and libido problems that are really problematic afterwards. Now, I know they've come up with strategies to try to deal with that, cycling and all this stuff. I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it uh, does that much, particularly it, taking all that insulin. But let, let's... It's a lot to, put on, to risk your manhood on some, some guy in the back of a gym giving you some stuff to inject <laughs> in your arm. I just, you know, but, you know, yeah, yeah. done the right way is a beautiful thing but it's typically in these situations it's not being done the right way so one of the things um, tyrus is more known for is his political commentary which i always appreciate he always has an interesting take on things um recently we had a couple of uh speeches from uh president biden vice president harris and i'm wondering particularly how you reacted to uh, vice president harris's speech of comparing January 6th to 9-11 and Pearl Harbor. I'm wondering what you thought about that. You know, um, thousands of people lost their lives and the nation was changed forever in those two events. And those two events in themselves were very, very different. And nothing, you can't compare. I hate when everyone compares anything. But January 6th is, I would call it an ugly event where, you know, Capitol Police and the rioters or terrorists, whatever you want to call them, uh, that did what they did in those days were, were the victims. But it was significantly smaller than what we saw in our neighborhoods across this country. I just I always find it funny whenever anything happens to a government official. It is a, a natural, it's an outrage and the country should be shocked and we should spend millions of taxpayer dollars finding out who did it even when we have all the people in custody already. But yet when a, a store, a mom and pop shop is burnt down and the husband's head's been beaten in with a brick or a man steps out to stop people and is shot in the street and uh, we still don't have answers for that or we have com complete communities completely destroyed, but those are no problem. They're out of the news cycle in two weeks. So when I hear uh, politicians talking about how they were afraid and it was a bad thing and every one of those people, they were dumb enough to be on camera. The FBI did a phenomenal job of getting everybody involved to the point where even the people who were making the calls and were, were, are getting wrapped up and locked up and they're getting hit with real sentences. So as far as I'm concerned, January 6th incident is what I prefer to call it, was it's just when it happened to them. But look what they had all there for them. They had the amazing Capitol Police protecting them and saving them and keeping keeping them out of harm's way. The, the people on the street didn't have the Capitol Police there. 
They didn't have the FBI agents there and Secret Service risking their lives to keep them <laughs> safe. Let's not not one. The senators, although they were scared, they weren't physically attacked and, and hurt. Whereas store owners in this country who literally are getting dragged out their entire life taken before them. And then once it's over, you maybe get an interview. There's no outrage there. One side of the political aisle will say, ah, it was peaceful protest. How is it a peaceful protest when there's a fire in the back? You know, it's just the, whenever something happens to politicians and it's a good narrative for them, the January 6th thing is going to be used to death for the Democratic Party because they think that's their key of turning around midterms and securing the 2024 election, which to me is just ridiculous. What would fix all that is deeds, getting things done, not being in this weird, woke, progressive fantasy land of, of policies that make zero sense. You know, you're, you're so focused on Build Back America, even best case scenario with those things, you won't see the potholes fixed in your road in 10 years. We have things in this country we need fixed now. You need to fix the border now. You need to deal with inflation now. You need to figure out a way of getting people back to work because you have made it a business not to work. The dynamic in this country has changed and some of it's good in terms of the workers have more say, but now we're just seeing small business owners and companies just be fleeced to where they got to pay ridiculous amounts of wages for for work that doesn't honestly earn that. You shouldn't be paid $21 an hour to work at McDonald's. I'm sorry, I worked at Arby's, I worked at McDonald's. The whole point of those jobs is you bust your butt and you move up to other stuff. They're not permanent place. You shouldn't, this whole idea of this ninth place theory where every job is the job you should have for life uh, is shocking. So when Harris says things like this, it only hurts her. <laughs> Americans are like, yeah, what happened on, the, on that hill should not have happened. And you know what? Thank God that there was the Capitol Police there. And thank you that they had all this protection that the elite have that regular Americans don't have because if that same group decided to rush, let's say, I don't know, the Staples Center, what would have happened? The workers, the mm -hmm. concessions, the fans in there, done. If they decided they're going to go get the Lakers because the Lakers can't win a game and there was no security there, what would happen? We'd all be like, oh, my God, or even worse, a church. They decided to pick out a church and drag everybody out because they believe something different than them. There's no protection there. So I, I, maybe this is insensitive, but it, I, I feel for them, for those who were scared and afraid and, and went through that. And, and they shouldn't have had to go through that. But it was handled rather well. And I think it's a disservice to the, to the men and women of the FBI and the CIA and the Capitol Police and the local police that did a great job apprehending everyone. And let's not forget Americans in their communities. It was people on Facebook going, I know that guy. He, I'm friends and followers. So America came together and literally every one of them, the, the shamanad who went and painted his face up and got the nice thing. He's looking at so much jail now, he will never even look twice at a political building and think, yeah, I want to go in there. So I just don't right. see the argument. It has nothing to do whether you're red or blue or whatever your your affiliation is. It, it It's being beat to death because they think it's a political narrative and they're still turning their backs on Americans who are who don't have the Capitol Police to rescue them when when people come in, you know, even in California, Beverly Hills. I mean, we're now seeing Facebook teams of 80 running to smash a building, spray bear spray in security guards eyes, beat them <laughs> with sticks and clubs. Uh, a friend of mine, I couldn't even believe when I heard this, his his friend was getting gas and he was shot and 
Luckily, it grazed off the top of his head, and his wife was beaten to death by a mob for no other reason than they were just in the way. Because there's no police to come in L.A. right now. The, the, the time it takes for them to get out in the call, the criminal has time to be gone and then come back with his friends and videotape the investigation. And if they arrest him, he's out before they can even have the press conference. So I'm sorry if this is a long, drawn-out, I don't care so much about what the president or the vice has to say about January 6th, because that's been dealt with and dealt with at a high level. And uh, I'm satisfied as an American citizen that that group won't try that again. But the other groups who are doing these horrible things on the streets have been empowered. It, it is interesting, having been around the country a little bit lately, how I, you forget when you live on the coasts how different the thinking and the experience is in the middle of the country. I mean, California has been so locked down this whole pandemic. I was in Texas last week, and I was like, oh, that's right. They're, they're, the rest of the country doesn't live like that. It's, it's, uh, it's so stunning when you're out in the world and you're, you feel ashamed and withdrawn. Like, oh, am I, am I okay? Uh, do I have to... Be, be worried that somebody's going to judge me or attack me or t try to, you know, try to shame me. No, no. People go about their life, live their life. And, uh, schools are open. Everything's fine. They have an Omicron outbreak. Yep. Everybody's good. It, it really is something else. How, how I, in this, you know, the whole idea, I'm wondering what you think of this idea of the mass delusional psychosis. I, I've been talking about that for a while. I, I, first sort of characterized it as we have become histrionic in this country. The new way of describing that same phenomenon is this mass psychosis or mass formation psychosis, which is essentially that, you know, we, people have been made afraid. That was the first thing I saw happening that scared, that worried the hell out of me because I knew panic would not make things better. And then focusing no. people's attention on one thing. So they have trouble really bringing in other objective data, that's hypnosis, and that creates really kind of extreme views. And it seems like we've been through that. What do you think? Yeah, well, we're seeing that. Uh, we continue to see that, you know, and, and, you know, to your point, when you talk about real America, real America is not on Twitter and rarely makes the news. Uh, it's the extreme of that they do or the messaging. And when you see them saying, you know, you know, you'll have one network that's running the death toll from COVID every day um, and how many people are infected and it's in all different colors and it's the end of the world as we know it. And then when you actually sit down and look at the statistics of stuff, it's like cancer is still the undefeated champ, you know, and we're still looking at the cold and the flu and, and the percentages. But it was when you create and we see this happen, a, a, attempted a lot, it, it gets attempted a lot in politics is they make the monster out of hot air because you can control it. You can make it bigger and you can make it smaller and you can end it whenever you want to. Or, which is what most of the, what we're seeing with COVID, is you can continue it for as long as you want to because you're just throwing stuff out there. It's hot air. You can get that from anywhere to keep it going. So in America's unfortunately, we watch too much TV and we don't ask enough questions and we don't fact check or we don't watch a show that we don't like. You know, you only watch what you want to hear, and that's where you become yeah, susceptible, true. becoming influences. It's like true. one and, of the things it, that, and it also, I, go ahead, one of the things, the new shows that I hate on purpose, so I can kind of get an idea because the opinion is completely different than mine. And even, and you can ask, you can ask Ingrid, I'll yell back at the TV, like, "Are you kidding me? How can you say that with a straight <laughs> face?" 
but I'm putting myself through that so where I can understand at least and see where the other side's coming from to where I have to deal with these people. I at least have some blueprint of where to start to try to find some kind of common ground so I can just get on with my day. But we just we're we're the tribalism that you go in the tent, you come out hypnotized and you can't hear and you can't speak anything other than what's been you've heard from inside the tent. So it, and it right. makes it very difficult conversations in this country when everyone's dealing with absolute truths as true it is to them, opposed to saying, wow, I didn't I didn't know that. Here's what my side's saying. What do you think? We're just not we're not seeing that anymore. And it gets to the point even to where when someone disagrees with you, uh, it's to the point where it can get physical, you know, or you want a, or you'll never speak to them again because, you know, there yeah. can no like I'm a Republican. Therefore, no Republican can do wrong. I'm like, are you crazy? Have you seen Ted Cruz? Uh, you know, just the name of name one, <laughs> you know, Democrats got a few on, on their on their side. Like every time AOC speaks, <laughs> nothing but bad. Happen, but who gets the microphone? She's in charge of a small, yeah. small town. She, her voting rights is for a small place in New York. That's it. Why are we hearing her on everything under the sun? It's like the, the right. whenever these congressmen and senators get on TV, the first thing I said is you're not doing your job. If you got time to do interviews every night on every news network, who's doing your job? You know, yeah. you're traveling everywhere and you're on vacation president maybe although a president never really gets a vacation i, I don't think for one minute that if china calls it like will you tell them i'm in the pool now's not a good time <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure the president working time, but just the optics americans don't have haven't had vacations in two years so maybe the politicians can wait you know and and at least yeah the do you ever worry would be better let me ask this you 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 always I I can't characterize you, I, I always consider you sort of a moderate, and you always have a very unique, specific, clear point of view. Do you ever worry that being on Fox News you're going to get painted with the brush of one of the tents? You know, since there are sort of two tents out there, or maybe three tents. Do you worry about that? I mean, they I but I'm too big for one paint color. It's just not happening, <laughs> and I will. Here's the thing about being in the tent. You can only stay in the tent if you read the scripture of the tent. You don't come in the tent and start talking your own ideas. You get banished. So I will be in the tent for a little while. Or maybe, well, I'll get as far as, you know, hors d'oeuvres, maybe a slight beverage. And then they'll ask me a question and I'll say, I don't really like that. They'll be like, excuse me? Yeah, that's dumb. I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. Well, why? What? No, you don't. Understand. Are you one of them? Are you in disguise? No, I'm just a dude who says I don't like the paying taxes on thumbtacks. I just think it's stupid, and they'll say, "Get out of the tent." And, and what I what and I then, like about know, what I like about Tyrus is that no, no. First, thing you do you before you get out of the tent, you do something else. You, you stand up, and that pretty much takes care yeah. of everything. <laughs> yeah, you know, and just the short tent I'm out of here. But you just it comes from a year. It, it came from being someone that who didn't. And there's no way saying I didn't give a damn about politics when I was poor and struggling and chasing football. And I didn't care about any of that stuff. I had to deal with real life stuff and keep my lights on. And even as big as I am, believe it or not, miss meal cramps or trying to decide, do I, do I want to go out with my friends this weekend and pretend like I'm successful or actually pay my bills and not have my lights out this weekend? I didn't always make the right decision. You know, so that is my background. Whenever I look at stuff, it always comes from that lights on, lights off mentality. 
And uh, I think more, and I'm not alone, there's more people like that, but when you're dealing with, yeah. uh, here's a perfect example. Uh, Fox News gave me a job with no journalistic education because right. they liked what I say. <laughs> they thought it was different and they took a chance on it. Interesting. No one thought it yeah. would turn out this way. CNN wouldn't have gave me a job. No way. MSNBC, no way. Um, Fox News, Greg Gutfeld, it was a late night show that no, that was kind of okay. It was like a big, he was taking a chance, jumping from red eye to Gutfeld. And uh, it was on a Saturday night. So the big, you know, the big, the bosses don't watch TV on Saturday nights. So, you know, uh, an opportunity, you know, when I look at, uh, when I look at like my favorite sports show, uh, Undisputed with, with uh, Shannon and uh, Skip. Shannon, same thing. I think Shannon's the best voice in sports. And he doesn't have his journalist. He's just a really brilliant man who's got a strong opinion and he's educated. He reads books and he's always prepared. And I'm always prepared. And if you if you do those things, you can have a conversation with anyone if you're prepared. Yeah. And so yeah. that has kind of gave me a more like, I'm going to be myself. I had to learn this lesson. This is why the WWE was so great for me uh, because I wasn't always this way. I, there was a time when I would have done anything just to be on TV, just to get my spot. You know, when uh, Vince mm -hmm. and them decided to change my character to the Funkasaurus or whatever. And at first I was dead against it. But then I was like, I'm going to do it because I get to be I'm not going to lose my spot on TV. Even though I mm -hmm. thought it was long term to be great for my career. Uh, and, you know, but I, I turned it around. But in and that wasn't a bad thing is that in my maturity and my time in the WWE, I learned from going from just being a pleaser to really focusing on pleasing myself. And if it's not good for me, then maybe this place isn't good for me. If I don't think it's good, and, if, and I'm not talking about, oh, I want you to lose tonight. I don't want to lose because I'm a tough guy. That's not the issue is when you're asked to do things in any job and you do it because you don't want to. And, uh, being able to start going, you know what? I'm just going to be myself. And, and the irony was that that's all the WWE ever wanted me to be was myself, but I didn't know who I was. So I had to, you know, so well, they gave I, me the tools that has, and has grown into my career. Well, I, I also like that Greg, I don't know how this started, but Greg really appreciates you, all of you and what you have to say and your thinking. And he really, he always wants to hear your point of view it, it, because it is often unique. But I, I have to take a quick break before we before we go on. You can stay a little while, can't you? Another 10, 15 minutes? Yes? Yep. Yep. Okay. So we'll take Signal's a quick break, great, so and we're going to – I'll let you – Say what I said? I said the signal's great. We're do, I should have said it out loud. Damn it. But, yeah, we're doing, we're doing good <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was great until we started uh, to step on each other. All right, we'll take a little break. Be right back after a bit of business. Let's talk about our friends at Hydrolyte. I can't say enough about Hydrolyte. You hear me talk about them all the time. It gets me through workouts and medical procedures and colonoscopies. And COVID, it absolutely contributed to my recovery from COVID. Hydration is key to feeling healthy. And there's never been a time when that could be more important. We're in the height of cold flu season. Every headache has got you testing for COVID. Staying hydrated can keep the questionable symptoms at bay, and there's nothing better than Hydrolyte to get it done. Taking their hydration formula one step further, now there is Hydrolyte Plus Immunity. It starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients, plus each single-serve, easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. 
Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy pour powder sticks that rapidly dissolve in water to make a great tasting drink that is a 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink. It uses all natural flavors. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash Dr. Drew. And be sure to use that code Dr. Drew 25 at checkout for a special discount. And we are back. Sorry about this. We're going to send Tyrus a blue mic. Oh, good. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the guy, even though they're not sponsoring us this month, this will be the last time you'll see it for a couple months. They're taking a little break, but they will send you, Tyrus, a blue mic. Excellent. Tyrus, <clears throat> I just need your address. Uh, All right, also, excellent. so it, Tyrus. it looks like Tyrus's video, it froze right when we went into the break. So I texted him. He's, he's oh just my God, that's too screen. funny. <laughs> right after he said that it was a great video. Okay. That as soon as, <laughs> as soon as he talks about how great the connection is, it, it, yeah, it shits on when us. I, Get to surprise him with a blue mic. Oh so um, also we have the bobblehead, which I'm going to go get in a second. Um, it's in my suitcase. It's available at it drdrew.com slash shop. So if you want to go over there and get your Dr. Drew Susan limited edition. Very, very proud of her bobblehead. And uh, <laughs> we thank you to Alana for that. And uh, Harley Spears had, had a really interesting tweet with it today with a brain. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Really we have a contest. So very funny. <clears throat> take a picture of your, your or do something on social media with your bobblehead that you might think is funny. Yeah. And put hashtag where is Dr. Drew yep. in the thing. And then also make sure we're tagged wherever you do it so we can see it on Instagram. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, we're getting Tyrus back because I have something I really oh, wanted to do. Talk I get to, to tell them what they win. Uh, another bobblehead. Yeah, but an <laughs> so, autographed one. So bobblehead. I think it's hysterical. It'll be worth like, another you five can bucks. Get the bobblehead and figure out, <clears throat> you know, put it in a elf on the shelf style bobblehead, and you will win another bobblehead. It's fantastic. Oh, so, don't be a dick. I just think it's funny. <laughs> Drew doesn't uh, realize it's like because he can sign his name all the time, so he doesn't realize how special that is to a lot of people is to actually get it. it right, very you can sell it for a little bit more on eBay. Right, go on eBay. But, yeah. uh, you, exactly. By the way, Caleb, for those of you that are your mom for your mom's house fans and uh, Dr. Drew After Dark, Susan Pinsky has a couple of appearances coming up that are. <laughs> Somewhere between disturbing and mind-blowing. So, <laughs> so I recommend in about two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, two oh, this weeks. is a good one. Three weeks. Ha ha Harley Sears. Can you Harley pull up? Harley Sears. What did I say? Can did you I... pull up his Instagram, Caleb? <clears throat> While we wait for Tyrus. Uh, I was just thinking. Harley Sears. What is it? Somewhere between <clears throat> disturbing and profound. What did you just say, Drew? That sounds no, like between <laughs> disturbing and mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. That seems is, like that should be is. the tagline of the whole show. It's Harley dot yeah, Sears. Your mom's house generally is 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 sort of teetering between disturbing and mind blowing, and, and so is Dr. <laughs> Dr. Dark, along with everything over there. Uh, but as Loveline used to be, I, and, and I, a, I call it COVID brain. And other things I've been involved with, the more uncomfortable they can make me, the more they consider they have succeeded. And uh, no one can get us there faster than Susan Pinsky. So there you I'm go. I'm sending it to you, Caleb. The the picture of yeah, Dr. send it to me. Bobblehead. Yeah, I just sent it via Instagram. So for March, who says Fridays are my favorite with Dr. Drift Dark, I appreciate that for March. 
But uh, like I said, look forward to Susan Pinsky just uh, <laughs> just really destroying the whole thing. So and, and, and we'll see where it goes. Then she does another one after that. I know. On the heels it was of a it. fun weekend. <laughs> we had a good time. We coughed our way through the whole thing. Yeah, I had this terrible prediction. I know. What is up with that so, cough? You're a doctor. Uh, John Peterson, I had COVID alpha and then I had the vaccine and then I got omega or, or Omicron rather. And so there you go. I've had lots and lots of COVID in the last so year. So I'm I'm making a um, I've got my Harley Sears um, submission up. He's the first one. So well, you know. had, somebody else had a great one too. We, we saw it. Oh, um, Heather, 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 Heather fakes it. Heather fakes, fakes it. it has, she she didn't even know about the contest, but she already made a picture. It was pretty funny. Really funny. Yeah, go over to Har, uh, Heather underscore fakes underscore it. Yeah. Wait, it's Heather underscore fakes, fakes underscore it. it. Yeah, Heather fakes it. Yeah, she was. She's, um, how she we do with my buddy It was actually a. It was a bobblehead in RPC's colon. Yes, uh, he, <laughs> he knew. He knew he was supposed to come back for this segment to on today's show. Is he not? Susie, you want to text? It's so odd him? that what? I texted him. It's so. Wait, there He's he is. Come on today. There he is. Yeah, I didn't know because okay. his, his he, he was worried that he was thinking I I was having him come back for some other. Yeah, show, I so. probably had to log out. Log there in. He is. Yes. His kids probably jumped on the Wi-Fi. Renee, my take on COVID in general, listen to the <laughs> discussion between Peter Atia and Z-Dog, and that summarizes perfectly yep. all of my feelings have been the same since the beginning of this thing. So, Tyrus, you with me? He's, he's setting it I'm up. with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I have a really challenging question that I want to get into here with you. Wait, let him get in his place. All right, get into place. I can see his nose hairs. He's ready. Uh, oh, by the way, Tyrus, before you get started, we're going to send you a blue mic. I just need your address. Which is amazing. Okay. They're amazing mics. They're yes. phenomenal. They're, they are phenomenal. We meant to do it before, and we talked about it, and but they're our sponsor who have been, but they're, they want to send you a blue mic. Supply and demand. Yeah. 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 They're hard to, they were hard to get during COVID, so, but they're starting, and they actually have a couple of new ones coming out. But I can't talk about it. Okay. But they're pretty cool. Okay. So there is a new federal policy. Okay. Let, let me let me go back a little bit. When the vaccine first rolled out, um, I got COVID trying to get the vaccine from the hospital where I've worked for 40 years. Uh, and I could not access it because it was being reserved for people from risk populations at the time, okay? And in Los Angeles at the time, particularly Mexican-American, you know, people of Mexican descent were really getting just destroyed by this thing. So I, I understood the, the goal and what they were doing at the time. Um, it was kind of foolish from, my, from the standpoint of me getting sick because I was going to be a volunteer in their emergency room. So they lost an asset, which seemed foolish to me, but okay. And then, then it kind of flipped on its head where uh, vaccines went from being restricted to being pushed. Okay. Now we have monoclonal antibodies that are also a limited resource. And we have a really effective antiviral medicine called Paxlovid. And appropriately, the government now has set standards for restricting the access to these two interventions. And they include sort of severity of illness standards, like how what's your oxygen saturation and how old are you and are you obese and this kind of stuff. 
but they threw in and actually doubled the the impact of being from black or brown communities. So if you're if you're white, it's really hard for you to get these things. And in fact, I have somebody in the hospital right now who's having had real serious trouble because he couldn't get monoclonal antibodies. Is this and and I understand what they're trying to do. I I get it. What do you, what are your, I, I'm struggling with it though, because I've had patients do poorly who should have gotten these things and couldn't because they weren't from a risk population, even though it was clear clinically they were going to have trouble. So what's, what the problem I have with it is not the intent. I get the intent and I, and I fully endorse it. What I'm having trouble with is when a physician says, no, this is somebody who's going to get into trouble. I, I can see it evolving. It's going to be a problem. That has no meaning in the equation that leads to whether or not somebody is going to get a, a, an intervention that could save their life. And that's the part I'm struggling with. How do, how do you help me with this? Well, first of all, Doc, you got to pull up the big boy pants and say you don't agree with it because I don't agree with it as a black man. It's, it, when it comes to medicine, it should always be case by case. Everyone should have the same no, no more, no less opportunity to medicines, regardless of their color or the orientation or whatever. But in that same thing, if you're going to say, okay, we're going to take care of black and brown first, and I get it, there are certain people in the, in the social rights, uh, in this, you know, the social liberty movement or whatever, be like, about damn time. This isn't the line at the water fountain. This is about people's lives. But but let, let me push you back. I, let, me, let me push back though. Let me. I'm gonna keep my big point. Well, go ahead. Finish. Yeah. Finish. Okay. I another caveat to that. Okay. If you're not going to tell the, if you're not going to tell the group <laughs> the truth, if you're not going to be real with them. If you're not going to say some of the <laughs> things that you do in your culture make you more susceptible to COVID. Your the your diet, your lack of trust in medical physicians, your in, your inability to always do the right things in terms of financially what you need to do for yourself when it comes to health, not waiting till the last minute to see a doctor. Some of the things that culturally that my, that African-Americans that we sometimes is, don't always do. Um, the diet, some of us, you know, we're not, we're eating stuff that we shouldn't eat if we're trying our best, but they're scared to say those. So instead of saying what really needs to be said, because doctors are supposed to be about the truth and sometimes the truth sucks. But we're getting at a point now where if you ask a patient their weight, you get shamed for it. So how the hell can you even deal with, say, COVID and whether you're susceptible or not, if I can't even get individuals to be honest about what they're eating and how they're taking care of themselves? So that's why I well, let, like let me. So my pushback, I, I get you. I get you. I, I get it. I get it. But but my, my, a, to me, a reasonable pushback would be that one of the reasons, if not the reason, that those communities have poor health behaviors is the failure of my profession. And so shouldn't my profession doing be doing everything it can to, to equalize the scale, e even if it means doing something really, it's sort of pernicious and difficult. I mean, think about it. You know, it, it is, we've done some, it, it's, a, it's not unreasonable for black and brown people to distrust the medical community. It's not unreasonable. We've done some shitty things uh, in, in the past. And I'm not just, you know, people point at the uh, Tuskegee experiment stuff. There's many, many, many more. There's many more things. The, the question sort of becomes, 
is this the right time or the way to settle that score? Okay, well, here's, here's another thing. When's the last time in your memory that, that you can remember the hospital going out and, or doctors going out and going after a certain race? When's the last time? How many people well, the, that are alive today are affected by the horrors of what happened in the past? I mean, here's a perfect example. There was just an article that came out, Dr. Drew, that said senators and congressmen had over 12,000 slaves historically between them all. And, you know, I was like, no shit, because everyone had slaves back then. So what are we going to yeah. do about it now? They got away with it, okay? They're in there ever after. Yeah. And here's another thing. Even, uh, even in my own culture, we, uh, there was black Americans who had slaves. I mean, it was an ugly period, but it has nothing to do with what you're doing right now. Opportunity in this country is available for everyone. Medical professions didn't fail in terms of you can only do so much. You have to go to the doctor. Two, you have to believe, you have to take care of your own self. You have to put education first. Mainstream media, you can blame a lot of it. But when you see, like, when you see, when you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, and they all pick the most unrealistic fields because that's all they're seeing is a Sprite commercial saying that you can sing and dance and dunk a basketball or catch a basketball or be an action movie less than 0.01% of the country ever attains those type of things. Uh, but when you have unrealistic goals or you <laughs> set role models that where everybody wants to be Scarface and nobody wants to be the detective who's arresting him, that's on the, that's on the group. And the medical profession is scared. If a doctor comes out and says, listen, Stop eating, let's say, stop eating fried chicken and fried foods, period. It's not good for you. It's horrible genetically. It's not good for you. And we need to go forward. I get it. You, I get it. It was in the past. It was customs. We need to change that. A lot of flour, tortillas, and, not, not, not healthy. You should you need to change that. And a, a lot of... Uh, anymore a because we're racist. And a lot so of I, white physicians. We, we have not made it, we have finally made the effort to, uh, you know, make, make the physician population look like the general American population. In fact, maybe well, we're going to do a pretty good job of that, I think, going forward. You know, we're, but again, we're not putting the emphasis on being doctors. How many kids do you see dressing up in Halloween to be a doctor? They'd rather be the walking dead. I, I, doctor. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it is Halloween, to be fair. But you're right. But no, you're right. But that's, again, it, it is, again, about... In implicit biases and you know, there's a lot of stuff built into the medical system that, that you know, we needed problems. to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. But, but it, is a, it is a really interesting kind of a question that I, I am struggling with. And, and the, you know, the last time I saw the medical profession really do a shitty job was around the crack epidemic where I was, I, thankfully, I was seeing my crack patients as patients they were just sick people like every other people with substance use disorder but the the sort of lit and by the way led by joe biden and the legislatures and the law enforcement saw them as bad people and criminals that was that right. was unconscionable that was unconscionable fentanyl came along and and then the white population got a little taste of what it's like and they're yep. saying the same things what it really comes down to in this country the color of your skin is honestly irrelevant it's how deep are your pockets and if you go into a poor white neighborhood, they are getting the same shit into the stick as poor black neighborhoods, as poor, poor Hispanic neighborhoods. But the difference is 
poor white neighborhoods don't get press and they are not they are not used as a crutch for narratives and explanations because at the end of the day it's america is about individual achievement it's not about group movements no everyone is when you when you move your family up when you change your tax bracket you don't take your neighborhood with you that's not how it works and one of the things that the mainstream media loves to do is to always keep us blacks together we vote together we are so dynamically different in so many different ways from our gene pool, from what part of Africa we were from, if we're from Australia, if we were from the West Indies. We have so our bloodlines are so then you got to do the, you know, all the mixing when it came in this country, all the slave masters who couldn't couldn't keep their eyes and their hands off it. We are a very dynamic, different group. And when you throw us all into one little word like black, it's really, you're just missing it. So it sounds good. Blacks this. And again, Hispanics, same thing. You're from Mexico. You're completely different than someone who's from Cuba. Or Nicaragua or El Salvador. Yeah. They're all from different places, just like in Ireland, Scotland, although you can make an argument, they're so close. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. But the point is, is that we have all these differences and we love to just kind of bunch them in together when it comes down to, here's the bottom line. You want to fight COVID. You want to deal with things. Stop eating bad food, you know, and stop. But the it's not even just that. The It's so much easier to give somebody $500 a week in. It's not even welfare stamps. When I was a kid was like you had to pay with the welfare stamp. So nobody wanted to do that. You know, it was almost like an incentive yeah. to get your, get your situation going. Some situations can't be helped, and that's why those programs are in place. But for a lot of us, it's a good yeah. kick in the ass. Now it's a fashionable credit card that you literally can go through a drive-thru and get food. So there is literally no outside influence to improve. It's like good enough. And it's in poor white neighborhoods, poor black. Then there's no difference. They're treated the exact same. They do the exact same crimes trying to get it, taking penitentiary chances penitentiary chances with little education, you always end up, it's the same situation. And then what do you do? You don't fix the neighborhoods, you lock their asses up. And then now you're dealing with situations where a guy who, who's buying drugs is in, the, is in the jail just as long as somebody who murdered his girlfriend. And that is the real problem. It has to do with the way that our government officials, when they get in, they take care of their own and they have no concern for the lower class. And that, unfortunately, Doc, there is no prescription for that, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And you're handcuffed because when you do speak out, they try to ruin you, and you know it better than anyone else. And, and so would you say that class is really the conversation we need to have, class distinctions, income the disparity? The only color that matters this country is green, baby. That's the only thing that matters. How much mm-hmm. green you got, how much crypto you got, how much gold you got, how much land you own. That is how you get treated with dignity and respect and if you got a cough you'll have eight doctors and a priest at your house to get it out because you can afford it and if you don't have the means you're just in the way and that's as real as it gets and i know it firsthand you know i grew up in exactly that situation i mean it's just and and i saw it firsthand and i one of the things that inspired me to fight all the time is because i just didn't like it I really didn't like not being able to to have things and not being able to take care of my family and not being able to, if I want a nice hat and I can't buy it because I ain't got no damn money or I couldn't play on a football team because my mother couldn't afford the price of all the, the pads and stuff. So I had to wait till I got to high school. 
But, you know, the one thing that the lower, I think that was different in my generation is that we all, most of us had that hunger and that accountability and that want for more. And we're seeing, because we didn't have so many golden tickets not to do anything. It was like you had two choices or three choices. You join the military, you go to school, or you end up in the penitentiary. Those are the choices. There was very, you're going to end up one or the other, you know, and, and everyone was really trying to avoid the penitentiary one. But nowadays they're like, well, I don't do anything. I have my own YouTube page. I'm like, say what? You know, it's just, we're going through, right. we're just going through a right. different, a, a tough time of first world problems where everyone is so safe and so fat, literally. You know, Bill Maher got into all that trouble for telling the truth. He just showed pictures of America over the decades. And, you know, we just were eating the wrong foods. We're watching too much TV. We're relying too much on the government for help. And then we want to go, but the doctors aren't doing anything for us. And the doctor asked me to step on a scale. He can't do that. Well, how is he supposed to tell you to treat you if he can't check your your blood and see how much you weigh and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah, it only sucks if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, but we're not allowed to be, hold people accountable anymore. So as a doctor, it's, it's going to be tough right now because we're going through this, this kind of revolution right now of what we have one group that's like, nope, we work hard, we're Americans, we kick ass and take names. And we have the other group was like, nope, let's just invent problems. We're all good. We're all the same. We all share. And, um, you know, and if you don't like us, we'll just get rid of you socially. So it's it's a it's a really it's a weird battle right now because it's just the identity of this country. Are we going to be a bunch of gamers or are we going to roll our sleeves up and get back to work? And I just it's it's tough. I don't know what side's winning uh, because the only side that gets press is the progressive side. And I don't think they're really that big of a number, but they it, they the illusion is. I think there's more Americans who are ready to get back to work and do their thing than there are, and less people that are worried about the doctors being racist, more opposed to the insurance company raising rates or the cost of insulin, which was sold to the American government for $1, is literally $410 on a good day to $600 for one vow. How are you supposed to type 1 diabetics? Are, and then now we have this explosion of type 2 diabetics, which is correctable which you shouldn't do. And the type one diabetics who can't change it are literally running out of supplies because we are getting to the point where it's not, oh, you have type two diabetes. Don't worry. We're going to give you all this. You're going to be fine. Instead of like, you need to get on a diet. This isn't right. There are real people with real insulin problems and you aren't one of them. And all you've got to do is start taking care of yourself. But we don't do that anymore in this country. So I don't, I don't know, doc. It's a, it's a tough revolution and, and it's going to be interesting to see how things turn out. Well, I, I like your optimism in saying that most of the people just want to get down to work and get back to the basics of living and taking care of their family and their loved ones. And I, I think that is true. I do think also truth generally has a way of emerging and uh, particularly right. in this brilliant system we fortunately live in. But uh, I hope also after people listening to you, people get the sense of why Greg Gutfeld loves you so much. He loves your opinions. He loves hearing what you have to say. And he's uh, always delighted when he turns to you and, uh, and as am I. And so we're going to have to leave it right there. Uh, I really appreciate you coming in today. Yeah. They're saying Tyrus be speaking the hard truth. He, he always speaks the truth and he always has a very clear, interesting perspective that, that I, I can't, I can't have that same perspective. I mean, I can, because I'm not afraid. I, I can, I, I'm not. Well, no, no, it's not. No, no. I can't give you I'm, an injection of, 
I, I know this is your show and I'm just going to say it. I don't have fuck you money yet, but I still have a I don't give a fuck attitude. Speak your mind and you will sleep well at night. I have been fired so many times. I don't care anymore. It's like Bernie Mac says, you don't understand. I'm not afraid of you. And Duff loves me because I will say what he won't because I'm not afraid. And at the same, but I'm not an idiot. I can speak it but but i'm but like i'm, a, I, I'm, I'm not afraid you, you gotta understand i i am not afraid of getting things wrong I, I mean i'm not afraid of speaking what i my my truth what i'm afraid of is getting things wrong and, and toward being hubristic because i get into trouble when i do that and so i so but i'm always trying you, to struggle with stuff but once i get to it yeah you're gonna get to it but you're gonna be wrong a couple of times but that's what's so beautiful about yeah, you, yeah. Doc. Yeah. When you make yeah. a mistake or a misdiagnosis, you're the first one to be like, I missed that. I how many people have you seen go on air going, you know what? I was wrong about this one. There's new data. Let's see what the new data is. Don't, they don't double down and be like, if you don't believe in me, then you don't believe in America. And anyone who says something bad about yeah. Dr. Drew is a communist. <laughs> I would support that. I would support that because America loves you. You wish I said but that. <laughs> you're able to but, but, um, and also oh, there's this <laughs> is that a black man can go on TV and say whatever the hell he wants, and an old white man is terrified to say, I disagree. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think, uh, I guess the question would be like, how's it feel, Doc? <laughs> because it, when it was no, like, it, 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 it feels great. FPs would hey, be like, yo, listen, don't say that. I, you, you're, I, you, I welcome this input. And by the way, I get the same shit from Corolla all the time. He accuses me of being sort of afraid to talk about these things. And I, and it, I don't feel it as fear. I you're feel just, it as cautiousness. Too, I, you're just, I am. you're so nice to a fault. You are nice to a fault. <laughs> yes, that's true. You, that's you true. honestly, listen, I'm selfish. I'll admit it. Uh, if you're offended, I don't care. Uh, if you like it, same thing. Uh, you know, people always talk about their negative comments. I think the good comments are just as bad because it gives you a big head. So, you know, you should already know what it is, not what your comments say. But, you know, Doc, you're a class act, man. And and don't ever be, don't ever oh. feel bad for being above it because you have always been above it and it has not been easy. So I, you're I commend very you kind and I, I miss you. And we have some. Yeah, we'll have you back more often. Well, we have some interesting news coming out about you soon. Maybe we'll bring you back just yeah. to announce it or something. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely right. be talking about it. All right, we'll do that. And I really appreciate what you're spending your time with us. And it, it, it always helps me. And I hope it helps my my listeners as well to to get a, a, a dose of Tyrus. So yeah, um, I'm going to... Also, send me your address. I want to send you that mic. Get you that mic. Get your address. Whoop, hold on, you, you blocked out. I couldn't hear that. What was that? Oh, I said, I'm definitely sending that address. All right. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> and we'll, cut out. we'll announce the news before a week or so. And uh, I know, I'm so glad I, that I you will, came on to give us that good news. And, and I will make an effort to get out there uh, to see Mr. Gutfeld when you're in there. So yeah. we'll see you soon. We'll be back. All right, my friend, take care. And uh, I have to run do uh, a- Show him the bobblehead one more time. A local news broadcast uh, right now. So Right now? Well, I have to I have to prep for it right now. Oh, oh okay. So Susan, where can they get these guys? drdrew.com slash shop. There it is. Everyone's very excited about it. I don't these. know. Maybe we should have the vibrator made out of it so that we can send that. That is for after dark, my dear. That is for after dark. That is not for this. It's, Caleb, I told you it's between what did I say, terror and horror? What did I say? Mind right at the end. And intriguing. <laughs> Dropping yeah. that in right there. So, uh, 
Thank you, uh, Clubhouse, for hanging out. We're gonna we're gonna end the room there. We appreciate you guys being here. Thank you, Caleb, for producing this. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help.